Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm the host, and that's B as in boy, I double Z A double R O. And today I have with us Lauren and Cody Bolden from Pie Provisions in Georgia. How are you guys doing today? We're really well. How are you today? We're, I'm awesome. I was going to say we're because I'm used to having a co-host, but Deborah didn't make it up this morning. She decided to sleep in and, and leave it up to me. But Good for her. Yeah, no kidding. She gets to be the lucky one. I'm the only one who knows how to work the soundboard, so I guess that's <laughs> the life I'm stuck with. But um, when we talked to you guys last, we talked a lot about the pie bar you guys have in Woodstock, Georgia. And you know, and so we decided to do a second episode just to, to continue to tell the story because there's just so much there that you guys are, are working on and moving forward and things that we discussed. But, you know, so to jump right into it, um, my question is this for you guys is, you know, how did you actually come about your decision to take your pie bar concept and put it into retail in the pie provisions packages? Absolutely. I think that's a really great question because I think a lot of food entrepreneurs either um, think about like when is the next step right for them or maybe they kind of miss the opportunity because they wait too long. So for us, I think we probably did it a little too early. I think hindsight's twenty twenty. If I look back now, I'd say, oh, we probably should have waited another year or so. But for us, we had started Pie Bar We were getting a lot of customers coming in asking how they could create our pies at home or how we could ship our pies to their family that live in other states. They really just wanted to create a bit of the pie bar experience in some other location. And so for us, that meant we either needed to be able to ship pies, which at the time we were not able to accomplish, or we needed to be able to create something so people could try and and bake at home and get that experience with their loved ones. So the Christmas that we opened, I believe, that December, we actually did a test run um, on some pie crust mix. We knew that that was where the majority of the questions came in were with pie crust in in particular. So we filled mason jars with the right amount of sugar and salt and flour, and we created an online tutorial for people to be able to buy the mix here in the shop and then access the online tutorial to be able to create pie crust at home. And it was a successful little trial for us. It gave us a chance to see that not only were people interested in it, but they were interested in it for themselves and for others. So we were recognizing that our customers were coming in. They were buying completed ready to go pie. And then they were buying a jar of our pie crust mix for themselves and then several for their friends and family that they were gifting it. So after that holiday season, we knew that it was probably something we were ready to explore. Um, I guess I say that maybe we should have waited a little bit longer because of the capital issue. It takes so much money to create a product that is going to be manufactured somewhere or if you're trying to get it into stores. And so I think maybe if we were to do it again, we would have saved a little bit more money before moving into that. Yeah, and and I'll say too, um, and it's something we kind of hinted on um, in the previous episode was – with Pie Bar, it didn't take quite as much money to get started because we uh, were able to build out the space relatively cheap. But the day we opened, literally the day we opened, we started seeing a return and some sort of revenue stream. When um, you're building a retail-ready product like that, I mean, it could be six months, eight months, a year 
two years before you see any sort of revenue coming back in by the time you go through your branding process and pick out your manufacturers and actually have the product produced. And then if you're in big box retailers, you have to, uh, you know, again, go through the submittal process and get yourself on the shelves, which could be another year or so. Yeah, it's not like um, the previous product, which is a retail-ready pie that's ready to eat where you make it that morning and sell it that afternoon. So you kind of have to be prepared when it comes to money and finances to, to be able to foot the bill for you know possibly a year or two years before you actually started seeing anything back on it. Which is what we saw. So I would say a really big thing that we didn't recognize was, was that. And I, I think we did a great job of being able to kind of what eat the elephant one bite at a time because there are so many steps in getting your product retail ready in another store and not your own. And so for us, the first thing we did was kind of divide and conquer. So Cody knew that if we were going to be selling our pie crust mix in other retailers, we wanted to make sure that it looked great. It needed to pop off the shelves. It needed to be something that people wanted to gift to others. And I knew that it had to work really great. People couldn't open it up and then the mix not make a great pie for them. So he was able to take over all of the packaging and branding. And I was able to take over all of our recipe development and making sure that everything fit together. So we were able to hire out a branding company and Cody worked with them to make sure that we were hitting all of the marks that we were hoping to see. Um, I fortunately have a pie shop. So we were able to bake using the crust mixes that I was testing out and we were able to use our bakers and their boyfriends and their girlfriends to figure out what skill level is required to do this. And we were able to fortunately come up with a great product in about a year and a half. We finally had it in hand. And uh, by that time, we thought, well, great, we'll just take it to a store and they'll want to sell it. And it took another six months or so to get it onto shelves. So it probably had about a two year life cycle from the start of let's actually create this product to hi, we sell pie provisions in this specific store and you can go in and purchase it. And so I, I want to one, I want to make a couple comments. One is, is that I think the thing that Cody touched on, which is the cash flow that you can suck out of your existing business in order to create a new aspect of your business is something people don't, don't really realize when you grow a business, even if it's just growing the existing business, if you guys wanted to, to open a second store, you temporarily suck cash flow out of your company uh, to do that. Or take even taking a loan, you're having to pay back a loan or you're taking additional debt on, which is giving your cash flow an, a negative consequence. So it's one of those things right. that a lot of people will expand their business and they, they're like, well, why I'm profitable, but why am I going under? It's because they don't have enough cash to run their business anymore because it's being sucked into a new product area. But I think one yeah. of the things that, um, that I also liked is the design of your package. And so I, I want to get into that and I want to get into what a product life cycle of development really looks like. And so first, I mean, let's talk about your packaging um, because I think it's such an important part of going to retail and you guys have it in a jar and then you have it come together in, you know, it's like a paper cardboardy type. I don't know what you describe it, but it's in a box and it comes together in both the mix for the crust and the glass jar with the um, 
with the inside ingredients are there. So, I mean, how did you come up with that? It should be two pieces. How did you come up with the labeling? I mean, because it's not easy, and I know you work with a branding company, but two years obviously is is real to me. I always say if you want to do anything, it's going to take at least 18 months. And so mm-hmm. just tell us how you guys came up with the colors and why pie, pie provisions instead of pie bar and, and separating the brand and all that. We talked a little bit about it on the last episode, but I really want to dive into it. So the reason we um, went into buy pie provision is we wanted to create something that was a little more easily scalable um, versus pie bar. That's a, you know, a physical retail shop where, uh, it is scalable, but it takes a lot more capital to be scalable as to when it, you know, it comes to a product. If you can just, um, if you're already having it co-packed, it's just a matter of paying more money for all to run. You don't necessarily have to invest in all the res- resources required for that. Um, so when we started Pie Provisions originally, I think we wanted to name it Pie Bar Provisions. And then um, as the more we thought about it, the more we talked about it, is we kind of want this to be a larger than that. So we didn't want to necessarily tie it in. So we, we took out bar and what left was pie provisions. And we consulted with a, a trademark attorney and all of that to make sure that, that it fit with it felt within those um, regions that it was something that we could actually get protected. And it did. And then as, in terms of branding, yeah, that was a huge part for us because one of the reasons our shop has been successful is, is more than just the, the, you know, product quality that we're putting out. It's the the feel of the brand and what people expect from us from a service side. So when it came to branding, we knew that um, we needed to try and recreate as best we could a feeling based on visuals, because that's really, especially a new brand in a shelf uh, with, with all of these other brands, you have to do something that's going to make your product stand out. Um, because they don't, a consumer at first does not know if it's a good product or not, but you've got to do something to, to draw their attention towards your packaging for, for them to even pick it up. Um, so we kind of faced, uh, after a couple of meetings with the agency we used, we faced, do we put a picture of a pie on the box? Most, most other um, uh, competitors, yeah, fake goods in that space on the baking aisle have a picture of what they are on their box. Um, and they recommended that we do either one, and we decided that we didn't want to do a picture of a pie on the box because that's what every other one of them did, and it would help ours stand out a little bit. Uh, and our color, the colors are like a navy, a rust, and a white or a cream color. At first, it was black and white, but we did want to separate it from pie bar because pie bar is very black and white and clean, but we wanted to keep it, um, you know, very high con- contrasted colors. I think uh, like what Cody was saying is when we walk down the aisles in grocery stores to look at what our competitors were selling and how they were packaging their product, because to start with, that was our goal was to get into larger retailers. And we wanted to make sure that we were putting out a product that the quality was there, but also that again, it was on the shelves and people would notice it and want to pull it off of the shelves. And so that was a huge driver for us is recognizing what are the color schemes that other people are using? What are the photos that other people are using and how can we make sure that we're being, we're setting ourselves up for success. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of an edge by creating a product that is super high quality, but it's also really attractive to look at. 
as we've grown and we've figured out that maybe grocery stores weren't the right fit for us and that independently owned boutiques are better fitted, it worked out well because our beautiful packaging has truly helped us grasp the gifting market. So now I would say a large portion of our purchases um, are people buying the gift sets for someone else. And so when we decided to launch our second skew of products, which was our pie fillings, we knew that people would want to buy the crust and the filling together. And we knew we wanted to be attractive to the stores that are selling our product. And what's the most attractive thing we could do to make sure that they're easily able to make sales so they would want to continue to reorder with us. And a big part of that was making sure that everything was retail ready. And if it's a gift item that somebody could easily grab it off the shelf without even thinking about it, go to their register, make the purchase, and then gift the item. So when it came time to design a package that put both the crust mix and the pie filling together, Cody actually designed that box um, with a packaging company here in Georgia. And the idea was that both fit in there nicely. Both could be seen through a window in the box itself. And then we intentionally left the opening without any sort of plastic. You can touch the crust mix and the pie filling, both of those containers, so that people could almost feel the high quality of the packaging, which hopefully in turn tells them that it's a high quality product on the inside as well. And I'll say too, with uh, specifically with the, the pie crust mix, when it came time to decide the size and shape of the box, um, something that's always been really important to me is durability of a you know, a product and just what it feels like. So our box for the pie crust mix is actually a little bit smaller than competitors, but when you feel it up, it feels substantial. And, and so the sizing basically came off of the portion pack that's inside of it. I wanted to make sure that, that when you picked up the box, it felt like what you, you know, you, you know what you're buying, what you're getting. It's not a big box. That's only a third of the way full with actual product. We are trying to avoid that annoying chip issue where you open a bag of chips and it's like (laughs) a third of the way full. I understand there's reasoning behind it, but as a consumer, it just drives you nuts. So for us, we wanted to make sure that all of the individuals that were using our product and purchasing our product truly understood the value behind it. Yeah. And actually, um, and um, it's interesting you say that because I just had a conversation about that empty chip bag with someone. Mm -hmm. And I actually... I hear a lot of different stories. People tell me, have told me they need space and it's in there because the air and, and making sure the product and, and doesn't go bad and longer shelf life. But the, the actually the one that makes the most sense to me that I've heard so far is actually because they, they want to hit a price point so they can only put so many chips in a bag, but they want as large of a bag as possible because they're marketing on the shelf against right. hundreds of competitors. That's their billboard. Yeah, it's their <laughs> yeah. billboard. So, I mean, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. But you're right. As a consumer, that drives me crazy. And so right. I love your packaging. And it's, again, one of the main reasons I wanted to have a part two and, and continue on and tell the story, although we're calling it Pie Bar and Pie Provisions in the episodes. If anyone wants to go back and look for the Pie Bar episode, that the prequel to this episode. But it's the, my, the thing is, is it's so well done. I, I like exactly what you're saying. The window is not between me. It's not something keeping me from touching the product. It's something that I get to touch. It's high quality product for uh, packaging for a high quality product. And right. the other part, and 
I'm going to ask the question, even though it's an obvious answer, I believe, but most companies put pie fillings in cans. Correct. And so, so why a jar? So in order to can in-house, we actually currently do all of our canning um, through our FDA kitchen, which is here in Georgia. We do all through Pie Bar's kitchen. You have to have expensive ingre- expensive equipment to do it in cans themselves. So when you're seeing a canned pie filling product, that's being done at a really large manufacturing facility um, that has equipment that I could never, well, not never, but currently could not afford. <laughs> and so we knew jars were, were going to be most likely the main option. I think it's really important that when you're starting something out that you understand the negatives and the positives. We knew positive of using a jar is that it makes it look really high quality and you can see inside of it and it's beautiful and it can be used as a gifting option. The negative side of it is they're expensive. They're expensive to ship. They're expensive to buy. Um, And so for now, I think the jar is the best option. We've explored the opportunity of using some type of plastic material. But to be honest, at this rate, I think that the plastic would almost detract from the quality of the product. And I think we're willing to sacrifice a little bit of the money on the shipping and and purchasing of the glass instead of moving into plastic or something that's not as nice. Yeah. And definitely the glass has the quality feel and and everything that kind of matches the branding and Patrick packaging. And it's almost got a nostalgic feel to it coming in a glass jar. Yeah. And this is where um, I want to make a point to the audience as an entrepreneur. And what you guys have is your disadvantage, I believe has become your advantage. I believe the disadvantage of not canning and not having the resources to buy this expensive equipment and put it in the can and or figure out a way to put it in plastic. And if you had the money to do it, then it would have detracted from what the glass does for your product. One is what I love about it actually the most is I can see the product. Right. And that I and and since I've seen your product and and tasted it, one the qualities amazing comparatively even to the canned products that are out there and then two is um that i can see it i can i can see the quality of it and it it's marketing itself to me by being seen and it's just not something that's typically done in pie filling and it gives you guys this sort of uniqueness and and sense of quality i agree and You know, the mason jar, jar, glass thing, yes, it's expensive and people detracted from it because of the price of shipping. I agree with that. But there's 100% two things that happen. One is the sense of homegrown and home cooking and, and the feel of memories that come around mason jars, in my opinion. And then the second part is... the there's a sense of quality that happens in mason jars for some reason because, you know, not all generations are are going to remember this, but for some reason I remember pickling in Mason jars. I remember the quality of Mason jars. I actually remember in college Mason jar parties and and things like that, that associated, and they were the higher quality parties. I mean, let's be honest, we were drinking Paps blue ribbon. (laughs) And so it's, um, it's just something that you guys have done so well with the packaging and the product and putting it together. And obviously it's a higher price point, but once someone tastes the product, sees the packaging, 
you know, actually can see the product, the price becomes less important. And that's what you guys have done through this disadvantage, I believe. So I love that um, a lot. Well, thank you. And I want to pause right there um, as we talk about this. And I want to just refresh the audience's memory. How can people find you online, uh, both the Pi Bar and Pi Provisions? Uh, what's the Pi Bar's address, location, where you guys are located? And quick, give me the, f- the flavors or the Pi offerings that you guys do through Pi Provisions. Sure thing. So you can find Pi Bar at 8720 Main Street in downtown Woodstock, Georgia. We're about 25 to 30 miles north of Atlanta. You can follow us online at Pi underscore bar on Instagram or on Facebook. It's Order Pi Bar. We love connecting with people there. Pi Provisions, you can find us across all social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest as Pi Provisions. Um, And you can actually come into the store and see all of our products here as well. We do make all of the Pi Provisions fillings in our Pi Bar kitchen, so you know that everything is going to match our quality here that we have in the shop. The flavors we have of Pi Provisions is tart cherry, bourbon pecan, ginger peach and we recently won flavor of georgia for our georgia blueberry yeah it's pretty incredible product um and i think we've said it on the last episode that the blueberry that we tried and and you guys have have sent us one and after i did all the photos with the podcast we obviously have have made it and enjoyed the whole do-it-yourself pie thing so there's a crazy thing that it's interesting to me because I mean, there is a whole world of sort of do it yourself, but have um, the items to do it with. So it's almost idiot proof, I should say, almost. And um, <laughs> and it's it's a cool thing. And I didn't realize. I mean, to me, I see people do it like Betty Crocker and and cakes in a box and all that and the icing and it's already packaged. Well, one is you guys have sort of combined both together in one package as one of your options, which I love. The other part is that it's so easy. I mean, it's not hard, which to me, pies just seem so hard and I don't know why in my mind and I'm not, I don't bake. And even in our business as food, we rarely bake because it is somewhat of a science to us and not something where we specialize in, although we're going down that direction when it comes to gluten-free cookies and and things that hospitals need, but it's not something we would ever be interested in doing in retail. So it's really a cool thing. And, um, you know, and what we're seeing is that the direction that we have to go to even get it to people, we're actually not going to bake the cookies. We're just going to do packaging of the dry goods and things like that because it is so expensive once you start packaging things and putting things in there but you guys have figured out a way to make it work i mean you've literally put together a package it has the filling it has the crust mix and it's amazingly awesome and it's fun to do um it not only does it remind you of memories but i feel like if you do it with your friends and family um it builds memories also and so I Absolutely. think there's a whole cool thing around, you know, the pie being the memories. So that's amazing. Um, Thank you. Well, I want to take a step back. You mentioned separating out the brand, the pie bar and the pie provisions. Do you have them set up as separate entities, uh, legal entities? We do. So when we first decided 
to launch pie provisions. Like Cody said, we thought, what should we name this? Should it just be an offshoot of pie bar, but all under the pie bar umbrella? And after going back and forth between the two of us and then bringing in our attorney, really the final decision was this should be a separate entity. We knew that when we started Pie Bar that eventually we would love to see it grow and then potentially sell. And so in order to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success and setting Pie Bar up for success, that we needed to keep Pie Provisions as its own legal entity. So it it operates and runs um, completely separately. So we try not to use any of Pie Bar's resources in the sense of the employees for Pi Bar work in Pi Bar if they ever work at Pi Provisions. So if they're brought in to help with canning, we're going to pay them separately through Pi Provisions. Or if we're using ingredients, it's nice to be able to buy in bulk just because usually your price point's going to be lower. So we may order all of the ingredients through Pi Bar, but then Pi Provisions reimburses it. So everything is run. Um, as two separate businesses that I would say are friendly with one another. I think it's been really interesting to see when we started Pie Provisions, we thought that we would probably transition more full-time into Pie Provisions a lot quicker than we have. And that's just because Pie Bar has so, been so integral in the growth of Pie Provisions. And then Pie Provisions also helps fuel Pie Bar. So it's been really interesting to see how they'll play off of each other and kind of the opportunities that have come up because how they work together, which has been exciting and fun and frustrating and all of the things in between. Well, one, I agree that the separation from a liability standpoint and having them be able to see if they can stand up on their own on separate spreadsheets and stuff matters, although that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be separate legal entities, but from a liability standpoint, obviously. But you also want to make sure that one doesn't negatively impact the other if you need to close it and things like that or it doesn't work out. So I brought it up because I assumed that that's what you did just because it makes sense in anyone who's out there. It may be more work to run two books or, or, or separate out the labor like you guys are doing or marketing dollars or inventory dollars, but it just makes sense because they do become different business entities also and having the separation and being able to apply marketing and looking at, look at them separately and grow the business separately does matter. Um, and, and, right. and, and especially if there's another brand that comes out or you guys continue to be entrepreneurs, you know, it matters. I mean, I remember, thank gosh, it's not like this anymore, but having 23 LLCs at one time just oh in goodness. the food side. And then uh, when we were in the sports management side and getting into that, uh, we had another almost nine different LLCs and entities in that, that business. So, but while it seems like a lot, once you figure out how they work together and intertwine it and, and all of that. It just, it does make sense. And I will tell you once, and we sold off pieces, so it made it a lot easier to sell pieces or be acquired some of those pieces because they were separate LLCs or separate business entities. And it also made it sep. We had a few that didn't do well, you know, uh, they did well at first, but after a few years, the, you know, the market caught up to us and, and competition caught up to us. And, it wasn't worth our time and resources anymore. So it was a lot easier just to shut down that business entity 
and keep moving and not negatively impact any of our other entities. So, And I, I don't know if creating them as two separate entities was the easiest choice. I think, to be honest, my brain does not work very well segmented. I think that's probably been one of my hardest challenges is being able to say, well, this is Pi Provisions and this is Pi Bar, and then feeling like I'm giving the appropriate amount of time to both. I think that's something I struggle with a lot and, and don't feel like I'm doing a great job at. So in terms of, oh, it's easier, no, <laughs> it's definitely harder. But I think if if somebody like us where we're like, well, we know we want to sell Pi Bar at some point, do we really want to make sure that we have a plan B? Yes. So that's why we decided, okay, Pi Bar needs to be separate from Pi Provisions. I think what you were saying is completely super, super correct and on point where you want to make sure you're protecting your big business and, and growing the others. So with Pi Provisions being so new and, and I mean, realistically, Pi Bar is still new. It's four years old, which in terms of business is pretty, pretty young. And we didn't want to bring in something that could be incredibly detrimental to the cash flow and the revenue. And then if it did bad, we're out two companies instead of just one. Well, exactly. And here's something that I don't, you guys may not even realize you're doing yet, but I've in food and grow and helping, you know, people go into franchising or growing their business or multiple restaurants and stores. And since I've been in all of those industries and had subsidiaries, what you guys have actually done is one separating is a good thing. Cause if you ever decide to franchise pie bar or go to multiple stores, it's, it remains a separate entity in order right. to do that. The second thing is, is pie provisions becomes more than just a retail outlet because you're learning how to package, um, the crust and package the fillings. And what happens when you go into franchise or more stores is it's harder and harder to do fresh stuff in every store. And you've sort of got to compromise things because of the volumes. Well, you don't want to compromise your quality, but you guys are already learning how to package your products centrally in order to ship out to other locations and retailers, just like you would do if you were to package your products and your fillings and do it all centrally to be cost effective and cost efficient and then be able to ship it to a franchise location or an additional store and still control the quality and the product of uh, the quality and the integrity of your products. So it's in the branding. And so as franchise do and as stores grow, you need to make it simpler for the employees because there's more to manage. And the more employees there are, the more you need to, to, to make it the process easier for them. So it may not go that way. You know, it's, you guys could say, okay, we still want to make sure every pie is baked just the way from scratch in every store. But if, if it came to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, we can't manage this. You're gaining the skills and basically a commissary central production model to, to complement your growth. And Absolutely. It, and, and I it's think pretty cool. the biggest, yeah, the biggest lesson I would say one of the biggest lessons and hardest times of my professional career, and I would say yours too, Cody, I don't know if you agree, would be through Pine Provisions. When we first started shipping, we were so excited. We 
sold, I mean, thousands of these jars and we were doing our first shipping shipment out. Um, it was like October. We were getting them in all of our retail partners, about like 80 of them across the United States. And we put everything, you know, packed it up. We spent ridiculous amounts of money and time on packaging. Um, we worked with UPS to make sure that it was all correct. We ship it out. We took a picture, which looking back at that picture, I want to be like, oh, so sad. We took a picture with the UPS guy. We were so excited. We're standing in his truck with with all of our hours and hours and hours of work. We shipped it out. And the next day, everything crumbled. We've got, I mean, tons and tons of phone calls and emails. All of the packages were arriving shattered like I, I, we spent weeks canning all of this stuff and all of our money to can all of it. And it showed up at people's businesses destroyed. And so that was a very quick lesson in what are, what one, what are we going to do? And, and two, how are we going to properly handle this so that one, it doesn't happen in the future. And two, we don't alienate these people so that they never trust us to order from us again. And so that. October through December was instead of what we thought originally it was going to be of a, a fantastic Q4, getting out product and, and bringing in much needed revenue to be able to start over again in January. It ended up being fighting fires for three months and making sure that pie provisions didn't go out of business. Um, it made us really, really aware of where the holes were at in our business. And it made us really, really aware that owning up to your mistakes and being open with people and calling all those people and saying, okay, you had damage. I'm so sorry. This is my fault. Let's replace it. And then being able to keep those customers because of handling it properly was really huge for us. And I think going into that we're excited because we are getting ready to start gearing up for um, next holiday season. I, I think we've kind of got a, most of those little bugs worked out and I, I'm looking forward to being able to being on hopefully double more than 80 different store shelves because we're, we figured out the issues and the systems and, and getting the product out there will be hopefully a lot easier and better and more successful. Yeah. And it was just one of those tough, learning lessons because we did we spent we spent all of our money in um you know making the product itself and then we had a lot of money in packaging and then just the cost of shipping itself so uh at the time we didn't really have an account executive um with ups we just you know had to call in the 800 number and say hey this is what we're shipping and they told them how we were planning to pack it and they said yeah that should be fine and it wasn't fine and um you know, none of those claims went through in term. They all got denied. So we just kind of had to eat the the shipping costs. Uh, but it was one of those learning lessons that you go through and figure out. Now we're a lot more um, knowledgeable on how to ship and what to ship. And we have um, packaging that, that fits specifically to our jars. Um, and we're a lot more confident in, in how we're shipping and what we're shipping and and we learned a lesson. We learned that when we ship something out, instead of allowing the customer to call us to say there's a problem, we've got a system in place. We ship something out. I get a notification. It's arrived. I give them two days and then I call and make sure everything was was arrived safely and that they're happy with everything. Because we've learned that if I can get ahead of it and call them and make sure that everything is great, 
fantastic. If it's not, they're excited because I care enough to call them and make sure that they're taken care of versus, you know, that, that first shipment day, we're getting horrified phone calls from people who trusted us and trusted that we were sending them a great quality product. And they, you know, spent money as well and had plans to sell it in their store. And so it was definitely a learning lesson all around. And, um, I think UPS was sick of us by the end of it. So <laughs> we figured out how to best contact our UPS representative and, and best work with them, which was, again, in, in a business where the majority of our product is shipped outside of Georgia. That's really huge for us. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people that ship glass go through what you're going through, um, actually, because there's not uh, I don't even know how to say it the shipping companies don't do a great job of educating people on how to ship things. They just sort of ship them, right? There's not that right. educational process. And it's something that we all have to learn on our own. It's like, I I've thought about this a lot and, and I don't know how to do it, but there's gotta be someone out there that can train on shipping. I mean, there's gotta be a business opportunity just to help people learn how to ship their glass products or ship their products through, through any UPS. I mean, we ship meals all the time, you know, to across the country and in various different forms for all sorts of different people, whether it's a whole meal packaged or components of a meal or whatever it is for our clients. And it is absolutely amazing to me still to this day, you know, decade later since starting some of these businesses is that there's still problems, no matter how much we have perfected it or, or got it right. You know, the, the, you can't control the shipping either. Someone forgets or, or a delivery is not made every once in a while, or a whole shipment that was supposed to go out a whole truckload that's been delivered to UPS. They let sit somewhere out of temperature too long. And, and the part that I, that you guys said, which really is one of my biggest pet peeves on this planet is trying to get a claim through. Seriously, it's like <laughs> it's like dealing you're with an insurance alone. company. I, I can, I, you're not alone. That's how they get you because you're finally like, I'm just done with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it becomes a thing. Do I spend my resources on looking backwards or do I spend my resources right. on looking to fix this problem? But then in the process, I mean, you're potentially out of tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and we to put it in perspective, I think one day I spent hours on the phone and it got to the point where the poor, oh, this poor gal, this poor UPS representative said, ma'am, we've actually like reached the capacity of the amount of time that I'm allowed to work with you on something. She's like, I literally have to put you on hold and transfer you to somebody else. Uh, and I, of course, started crying. And I think she felt so bad that she ended up staying on the phone with me for I mean, again, hours again, just trying to figure out what we could do to make sure everything was correct. And it, it's, it is what it is. I don't think if we, you know, sat down every day and we're like, we're, you know, so mad about this, we would never move forward. It's just figuring out and understanding that as soon as that box leaves our warehouse, we should have done everything we could do to protect the contents inside. Once it's past our doors, we're trusting that the shipping carrier is doing the best they can. Sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't get it right. And the same goes for us. Sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't get it right. And it's just making sure that 
We have an action plan in place for when it does not get done right. So if you're out there, we're getting ready to open Pie Provision Shipping LLC. <laughs> yeah, no um, We specialize way. in glass jar shipping. Yeah. Any consultation. No one would insure us. <laughs> They'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing. And, and to, to that point, I got to be honest with you. I mean, as a company, we we actually move in that direction. Like we can't ship all over the country, but we try to deal with the third party shippers as much as possible. I mean, we literally control our products to as many consumers as we can. If they're within a 300 to 350 mile radius of us, because that I I've got to tell you, I, I, the lowest I've been probably as a human being in anger and, and, and unhappy with myself and losing my temper was probably, with shipping because I just, it blows my mind how this is what, like, think about it. If you make pies, that's your real business. I mean, if one or two out of every 10 pies or one out of every five, I guess would be if I had to listen to my math teachers and go to the lowest denominators or whatever they're (laughs) they're called by taking it down a level, one out of every five, you know, we wouldn't be in business anymore. You wouldn't be in business anymore. But yet in packaging and shipping, this is an acceptable number, which just blows my mind. This is what you guys do for a living. I mean, I know. Um, but what's crazy is it's not any one particular carrier. No. You know, it's not like we can say UPS does X, Y, and Z, FedEx does X, Y. Like they're, it, it is what it is. They are so all the, the unfortunate yeah. industry standard. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, um, I think that there are businesses that are at a point much, much larger than ours and much more influential that could eventually change that. And that would be amazing. And that would be huge. I don't think that that's where we are currently. And so for me, it's like, well, what can I do that's in my control? At this point, I agree. I think it sucks and they should do a better job. But I need to accept that this is where they are in their business. And if I'm going to utilize their services, I need to make sure that I'm protecting myself the best way I possibly can. Well, and two, we had to make the decision. Um, so we were, you know, I'd say we were spending close to seven or eight dollars um, in packaging to ship out a, a case of fillings. Um, but it was taking about two and a half hours. To, so I mean, it was long. ridiculous how long it would take. That's 12 jars because each jar had to be individually wrapped and then put back in a box that was wrapped and was put in good. another box that was wrapped. So now we've got these case packs, essentially, where each jar sits down in its own little cubby. Yeah. Um, and it takes about 15 minutes to ship and uh, to, to pack. So we're still we're spending a, like a, about $8 on packaging. Eight fifty, but yeah, I mean, it's cut it down to you know, it's cut the labor almost completely out, and we had to get to the point because this is Lauren and I packing these at this point, and we had to decide if we, if this is a scalable item, this has to be something where anybody can do it, and we can explain it really easily. Systems have to be able to be put in place, and when you're in a situation where you're spending two hours packing one case, that's not an appropriate or efficient system. And you're never going to find somebody that's going to come in and be able to take ownership and do that really well. And for yeah. it to make sense. So it essentially went from like a 25 step process to about a three step process. So it was one of those things where at first we weren't willing to, um, to take the money to invest in all, you know, the, the nice part about piecemeal packaging is you can buy, you know, a hundred of this, a hundred of that. 
Um, whereas when you buy a case pack like that, you have to foot the bill up front. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We would have easily, easily paid that money the first time had we known the results. But it's just one of those things you figure out as you go. Very expensive learning lesson, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's why I'm like, why isn't there someone out there that's just giving this information away on how to pack glass? And actually, I should be honest. I've had my issues with plastic, and, and so it doesn't really end there. Um, but what? what it's, yeah. But what you guys it's have all done, of them. yeah, it's all of them. And what you guys have said is, and then I have two points. One is, is a forced you to your disadvantage has somewhat become an advantage. You figured out how to do the packaging more efficiently. It probably is easier for the consumer not to unwrap box after box Correct. after box. And so you, through that hardship, you've given the consumer a better experience. The second part is, is exactly what you said is that we have no control over it like you have to use them and unfortunately as they have automated their systems and used less humans to do their process it causes more damage uh, because it's belts and it's and it's pushing things in boxes and automatically separate them where at one time it used to be all human touch which you know actually in that sense things have gotten worse but for them it's gotten better um, because it's more efficient and you could look at it as it makes shipping cheaper for us to do things and more competitive to someone that has something in their store. So I see why they're doing it, but it's just making sure you marry their business model to your business model because that's exactly right. what you guys are doing. And so while I get, you know, obviously I'm, it's still under my skin to this day. It'll never go away because that's part of my <laughs> business model. But companies like Amazon, I think, do a great job in if you ship through them, that they kind of help you understand the best ways to ship your products. And, and there's ways that if you're a person on there shipping your product, they don't want their reputation ruined. So they help you. And I don't particularly love the Amazon model because they own your customers, which is a whole other topic. But they do do this huge educational process. Uh, and making sure that when you ship your food, it hits certain qualities and that, you know, they make sure that the liability is yours, that they sort of walk you through this consequence thing, which Mm -hmm. was about 10 years too late for me. But it was, (laughs) you know, with with the clients that we have that go through Amazon and, and products that we're putting through there. But it's, it's, you know, they're a necessary evil is what I say. I mean, you need to ship products. There's, you need them to be a big company. You need them to be efficient in, in their labor and their sources and automated to keep the cost down so we can remain competitive with what people can go to a store and buy it for versus shipping it. So, you know, that's amazing. Which, on the shipping topic, I mean, was there... I think we may have discussed this on the episode, but other episode, but I need to refresh my memory. Is Did you ever discuss shipping whole pies, like frozen or things like that, or... Did the do-it-yourself just make more sense? At the time, the do-it-yourself made more sense. So essentially, when you ship a pie, you need to be able to freeze it so that it's going to stay fresher and safer longer. And at the time, we didn't have substantial freezer space to be able to allow that to happen. We didn't have packing space to allow that to happen. And so we actually, over the past probably couple of months, have been working on figuring out a way to ship pies as well through Pie Bar. So when we built out our extension kitchen and warehouse, we were really 
fortunate to be able to get a walk-in freezer and a walk-in fridge, which has been tremendous for our business. So um, a, a good example of kind of a thing that would happen at Pie Bar all the time is we would make our chicken pot pies and the majority of the way we would sell them is frozen. So we'd make the filling, we'd make the crust, we'd put it together and freeze it. And because all we had was reach-in freezers, and I'm talking about like six or seven or eight reach-in freezers because we just kept kind of shoving them in little corners or any place we could find a spot for them, um, we would sell out. People would call and say, hey, I want to come in and get a pot pie. Will you have them tomorrow? And we'd say, yeah, of course. And then we'd sell out immediately. And so there was just no space for us to put those frozen pop, those frozen pies to test shipping. And, and so about a month ago, we started, Cody was working on designing packaging and really understanding if somebody's going to receive a shipped pie to their door. One, it, it's not a cheap price point. So it needs to be a really great uh, experience. We want to make sure that whoever is receiving that pie doesn't think, well, this isn't that great. They want it. We want it to look really, really nice. And we want them to be able to experience what pie bar has to offer no matter where they are in the U S. Um, but two, we wanted to make sure the pie made it there safely. So all of this practice through pie provisions has helped that. And we're hoping to be able to launch shipping of our pie bar pies at some point this summer. I think this is incredible. Um, well, and I want to get into the savory pies versus the sweet pies just as a side topic. But one of the things, and while I just went down a negative road on shipping, it has so many upsides. And I would actually say as a consumer, I have now more things shipped to myself than I go out and buy. I mean, I may go to the grocery store and buy some of the fresh produce and meats and stuff like that. But a majority of the stuff, the sauces, the spices, the things that I like, I can't get at my grocery store. So it ships. Mm -hmm. And through this podcast, we have people ship us samples and we do photos and and things like that. And, and we're starting to figure out, okay, well, maybe there's a way to also give back to the entrepreneurs and do like giveaways and stuff like that. And we ship stuff out. But the, the problem, our hangup was exactly that. It's like, I don't want to go shipping someone else's product out, not know how to ship it properly and then hurt their brand. Right. So that's a, right. a very conscious thing. But the other thing that I've learned with all this stuff coming here and, and over the years, not only from the podcast, but from my general life is it's amazing. The personal touches that the companies that what they do in Oddly, the ones I stay loyal to are the ones that write the personal notes in there or thank you or call and follow up and, and make sure the package is there. And while the bigger companies can't do that, there's still notes sometimes and there's still an extra sticker, which I love stickers because we put them on our fridge in our gym slash garage. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and so it's sort of like, okay, if that person throws a sticker and I mean, it's like a $1 sticker, probably max, probably costs them a lot less, but you know, there's this way to give people a better experience through shipping. So again, um, while it may cause problems, it forces you to, to do innovations that make your business better for the consumer and, and forces you to then, like you said, now you call your customers. If that never happened as negative of a consequence it was, it does force you to, to do that. And also I believe that as, time goes on and we keep shipping more and more food goes to shipping and Amazon's become more popular. They're going to start figuring out better ways of shipping. I mean, and safer ways and things 
you know, the shipping companies are a moving business also, and they have shareholders and they have things. So it is getting better. So I don't want people to think it's, it's doom and gloom. And if you have a business like yours or any food or beverage business, you're going to have to figure out how to ship no matter what, because that's the way the world is going. So, um, as frustrating uh, it is, I I can get frustrated with any supplier or any vendor that I work with. And so it's just part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'll say too. Honestly, now when I receive something shipped in, I'm a I'm a bit disappointed when I open it and the only thing in there is what I bought, <laughs> because it is a, such a unique proposition. When uh, you know, especially when we live in such a technologically advanced day, is is for a moment, for just a moment, you have, especially when you ship directly to the consumer. But for just that brief moment, you have all of their attention when they're opening the box for the first time. So it's always been very important for us to while we do have that moment, what, how can we best capture that audience? So, you know, not only with what they're receiving, because that's what they expect, because that's what they bought from you, but whatever little touches you can put in there to kind of, just like, like what you mentioned, if there's a sticker in a box, you tend to be more loyal to that. But what can you do that's going to kind of put it over the top outside of what they already expect from you, um, which is a really neat thing with shipping. And it's also a way to kind of just, to garner that while you have them for just that moment in time. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's good that this episode won't air for a while because if I throw out anything that you guys want to put into practice, you have some time to do it. But one of the coolest (laughs) things I've seen in food and like I'm in, I'm on the verge of signing up for this is there's a particular thing that we do during the holidays and I don't want to give away their name, take away from you guys, but they, I sign up and every holiday I get this package in the mail and it's something we can put together and it's a little bit specific to the holiday. Um, you know, so if it were you guys, it'd be peaches, you know, potentially on Easter and apple on Christmas and pumpkin on, um, Thanksgiving, for example, pies ready to go, but I don't have to think about ordering it. I sign up for every holiday. It comes in the mail about a you know, weekend before East. So even if I'm going out of town to someone else's house, I can bring it along with me and that's what I can prepare. It's not pie, just so you know. But it's <laughs> it's literally this, basically, it's a do-it-yourself, but it's all the components I need to do these particular dishes for the holidays. And I think that's a, it's a great idea. And it's, it's neat because a lot of businesses... You know, you think about pie bar as a good example of it's expensive to have a store and to get people into our store and then, okay, well, we can make this much revenue out of this store. So we need a second one kind of thing. Well, shipping allows us to add a second revenue stream without that second overhead, which is huge. And and so I think that's a really great idea because it gives somebody an opportunity to capture a larger audience without necessarily having to add a second or third location. Yeah. And, and two, it goes, you know, uh, outside of having freezer space, as far as um, freezing pies for shipping, the benefit of pie bar and pie provisions and all that, they're separate, but it's still us is we were able to take that risk and make those mistakes with pie provisions, but still have the knowledge to apply that to pie bar when it comes to, you know, how we ship things and, and how to pack them and how they're going to be received. So now we can kind of 
move that knowledge that we've gained uh, through, unfortunately, disappointing mistakes that we made with Pi Provisions, but we can apply that to Pi Bar. Well, and it's sort of AFCO, right? It's, it's, it's not what happened to you. It's what happened for you guys so you can improve your business. And it's another fucking growing opportunity, you know, as we, we say. And as hard as they are, they help grow. But, um, you know, and I think being in shipping, there's huge advantage. And like I said, companies that really get good at shipping and like you guys are getting, like there's models and subscription models like I'm talking about. Like I don't even have to think about ordering. It's just it, if I go this, if I there. sign up with this company, it's just there. And I don't have to, mm-hmm. in your case, I wouldn't have to worry about whether even it's a pie, I do it yourself pie, or, you know, you guys run a holiday special during the the holidays and you know okay sign up and we'll make sure you don't even have to worry about it we charge your credit card we ship the pie we make sure we do the seasonality and all you have to do is say okay whatever event you're going to i'm bringing dessert i'm bringing a pie because i know it's going to come in the mail from either pie bar or pie provisions and all i either have to do is make it or show up with it and 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 heat it up or whatever so Mm -hmm. i just think that that whole subscription model thing is a thing. So if I were to, you know, give you guys something that I would give to someone that I was working with, that'd be one of them. Cause I love this whole concept that's coming out where I don't have to think as a consumer and I don't need to forget, you know, because I can tell you in my life, probably we've done grocery shopping and prepared for events and all that. And we always forget something, but the more it's just automated for us as human beings, the busier we get, especially as entrepreneurs, Having someone just no-brainer, you know. I don't even need to order razor blades anymore. It's the greatest thing ever. They just show up every three months, <laughs> you know. It's like, it's and, and uh, why it makes me less efficient with my razor blades because I know more are coming every three months. I don't ever go without them or or deodorant or whatever. So these subscription plan models are pretty cool. So I'd leave that with you guys just as something cool to think about and uh, and look at because I think you have the right business for that for sure. Absolutely. And, um, so, but not telling you how to do it. I just thought that was a fun thing. I I thought about you guys as I was doing it. So I agree. I think that is an opportunity to be able to explore in the future. I think pie provisions has so many routes that it could go to be successful. And I think that's both daunting and exciting at the same time. I think that the subscription model could be a really fun way to have that really high touch point directly with consumers, which is always really fun and really rewarding because you're getting to connect with people on a, a individual basis, as opposed to currently we're using pie provisions as a wholesale outlet. So I definitely will write it down in our little notebook. And I think as our business grows, I would definitely say you could see something like that coming from pie provisions. At some it, point. Yeah. Cause it'd be so cool. Cause then you have a captured audience and then if, it's my birthday you send me a free pie you know it builds into your cost or whatever doing it in a Mm -hmm. subscription model but how much of a service would that be obviously i'm saying this because i'm going to be your first consumer to just have pie (laughs) because you want a free pie i got it i got the free pie but i also (laughs) want to be able to do the desserts and all that and never have to think about it i and you know we just did deborah's birthday not too long ago and there's a podcast on it but let me tell you like the process of ordering a cake from someone and then getting there and then not being ready and just the frustration that I went through. I'm like, how are you running this business? Where if it was sort of a no brainer, like I knew as part of my program that I had a cake coming that she would like or a pie that she would like. And I built it into the plan, you know, and, 
and my stepdaughter's birthdays and things like that. I mean, it could be such a cool thing. And you guys Absolutely. are already there with the model that you have. And, and whether it's I do it myself because I want to at least put in a little effort or I don't want to put in any effort at all and make it brainless and order the pie, you know, it's, um, it gives me the option to subscribe to whatever model I want. And you guys sort of have that tier system already in place. So just mm-hmm. a thought. But on to my next thing, the savory pies, because I saw like a Mexican pie basically that oh my god it looked delicious on on social media so anyone listening and you need to look at this pie but then you also talked about the <laughs> chicken pot pie so yes you talked about freezing it and sending it but is there a future for savory pies in the same kind of do-it-yourself packaging possibilities as you do your sweet pies so those are a little trickier so as soon as you get into canning anything that has like a meat in it or a dairy product or eggs, generally you have to kind of take a next step up in terms of um, making sure you have all of the proper equipment and making sure that everything is being canned really safely and really properly. Fortunately for us, all of the products that we can are considered acidified, but they could also in turn be canned as jams. All that means is that their sugar content and their pH is at a place where it's pretty safe. So even if there was an accident and and say maybe one of the jars didn't seal all of the way and we missed that and somebody opened it and ate it, um, most likely they would still be healthy and fine. You start getting into issues with real serious health concerns and safety when you bring in those factors. I think that there could be a market for that. I don't know if I'm the right person to to do it. It makes me very nervous. Um, We actually got to spend a little bit of time at our manufacturing plant who does our pie crust mix this week, and they're blending dry ingredients. And this is a facility that has a built-in lab that has scientific professionals there on staff you know, six, seven days a week. Um, and they're not even including products that have that meat or dairy. So I can only imagine when you start getting into those, those ingredients that could cause serious concern, um, what that would look like. Our facility currently isn't set up to be able to do that. Um, for now, I think that the sweet pies are probably where they'll stay. What do you think, Code? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and again, all that comes with, um, time, effort, and funds. Um, it takes it takes money to be able to research and do things like that. And right now, I think what we found is instead of trying to grow wider, we're trying to grow deeper. Yeah. So we do have um, five or six SKUs with pie provisions. And what we're going to do with those is find the best way to market those SKUs and make them the best product they can be before we branch into to a different one. I could see more sweet flavors being added before more savory flavors are. I think this is probably something you've experienced too, is when you're in a, a retail facing industry, it's tough because people's you know first question, and we get this a lot when we do our trade shows is, oh, this is great, but what's next? And so it's trying to really almost change that culture with when we're at those shows, instead of allowing them even the opportunity to say what's next is to wow them with what we currently have. So instead of creating a B product, 
we want to create or to create a B product and then continuing to make B products, we want to have a smaller amount of SKUs that are all A plus products so that our four or five SKUs, although it's not a ton, you're not looking at multiple sheets of offerings. We have really great shipping and packaging and processes in place and everything is being canned properly and safely. And, and when people um, buy it, they're reordering. And so I think before we kind of explore more opportunities, we want to make sure we're spending time creating depth within the products we currently have. Yeah. And I'd say that's really been our approach to, to business with, with both of our companies is, I mean, we have a pie shop and we only sell pie. I mean, we constantly got questions about if we were going to try and turn it into a cafe and would we offer sandwiches. But, um, you know, we made the decision to say, no, we're going to we're going to only sell pie, but we're going to make the best pie we can. And instead of, you know, when it comes to pie provisions, instead of creating a bunch, a bunch of products, just how do we create one? And I think what that does in terms of uh, culture is. Um, some people maybe think it's it's stagnant to to stick with those products, but for us, it's how do we improve that product the best way we can in terms of everything: customer experience, uh, product quality, high touch with the consumer. Uh, and then once we perfect that, then we'll try and move on to the next one. Instead of constantly trying to chase the next sale, we want to make sure that we're selling to the appropriate vendors and then creating a relationship with them so that they're also seeing the benefit of, of sourcing our products. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely makes sense. And here's one of the reasons I asked the question. I was curious because for example, as a company, we do lots of co-packaging and meals for hospitals and Mm -hmm. all that. We don't bake pies. You know, that's a, that's one of the things that we're like, okay, that's not our specialty and we don't have the right equipment for that. And, and to do it in the amount of volume that's needed. So it's something that if we bring pies or cakes or, or cookies, like I said before in, it's usually third party. Like that's not something we make from scratch in our facilities and and we don't co-pack it. But, you know, we co-pack the fillings and stuff like that, you know, somewhat, but it's, it's becomes a specialty market. And right. what you said about the meats and the Popeyes, I was curious because of my own thing and, and because I know how much regulatory compliance we have to go through to do that for, for ourselves okay. and for our customers and our clients and to ship it all over the country. And it's not your model by far, but it's just one of those things where, I mean, we have the regulatory compliance teams in our facilities are becoming bigger by the day as there's more loopholes mm-hmm. to jump through and and pathogens or the foreign objects and all of that become more prominent because I don't know why, but just mother nature, everything adapts very quickly and, and grows mm-hmm. and changes. So, you know, as a business, you're exactly right. I mean, the amount of regulatory compliance and making sure it's safe for the consumer that we have to go through is huge. So, I was thinking that either direction I asked the question one was either it was going to be a no, you're not going that direction or two. Yes, we're going in that direction. And it's this huge undertaking that's going to take another two years. And so that's sort of why I asked it, because I think people don't realize what they do when they're, they're going forward and you need to really do your research. And I think you guys know what you're good at and know where you are right now as a business, which is actually so comforting that you said what you said and it makes complete sense is that 
why not just stick with what we've got right now, what we're doing really well and, and, and go deeper instead of bigger. And I think that's yeah. just, just very important as a business and as entrepreneurs, anyone listening who's an entrepreneur in the audience or wanting to be an entrepreneur, it's one of the biggest lessons to learn because sometimes we go bigger and I've done this myself. Um, we've tried to go bigger instead of actually looking at what we're really good at and expand within that product line. You know, we've done it time and time again. We're really good at kettle products and pumping and packaging, you know, that type of thing. But we start getting into baking and, and, and co-packeting, you know, weird items that we don't normally do. And it's a disaster. You know, it's because why? It, we need an 18-month learning curve just to get there. So why go take that 18-month learning curve when there's other things we can expand with inside our company within what we're already good at? You know, so while dreaming big and growing a business is important, it's important to also recognize that you can do it within the things that you're already good at and doing and expanding. And like you said, offering more sweet pies. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's too important to try and stay within, you know, we would like have to retool. I'm sitting here looking. So I have a, a jar of tart cherry filling sitting right in front of us and it's in the glass jar and it's bright red. And all I can think about is a pot pie filling in that jar. And it just it doesn't have the same sex appeal, unfortunately. <laughs> the same pie appeal. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really accepting and understanding that maybe pie provisions isn't going to be a giant boom and suddenly the industry is disrupted and things are changing and we're taking on investment. It's a slow burn. And I'm okay with that. It's accepting and understanding that this is the amount of time we have to put into it. So let's make sure that that time is being used really, really wisely. And currently we found that that may not be to kind of bring in constant new products, but maybe it's to touch base with our current customers, make sure we're serving them the best way we possibly can. And then to, you know, make sure that all of our recipes are being done properly and make sure that everything we're putting out is the best it can be so that when it is time to introduce a new product, that we already have a customer base. Those people are excited and they're happy that they've been working with us and they're more willing to invest in a new product as opposed to constantly putting out products that aren't super great and spending the amount of money and time and effort to get new customers instead of really investing in the ones that we have already. Well, and it goes back to the, it's easier well, and, and this is true, but it's easier to keep a current customer than it is to obtain a new one. And it's easier to get the current customer to buy more by making them happy. You know, a current customer that's going into the pie bar, if they're happy with you guys, they're more likely to buy the gift sets and send gifts and send pies to people and, and spend their money there because they, they're happy with you guys. And so... I think that's just so important that you said that. I mean, there's a lot of lessons in this podcast. I think anyone in the audience, you're going to need to rewind and re-listen to this episode because there's so many things we talked about that are so important, which is one of the reasons I really loved having you guys on and the first time and why I asked you to come on again because you, um, you know, and, and just as a reminder, you guys met in middle school and started dating in high school, but your entrepreneurial journey and the way you guys work together and, and make decisions, and I'm sure there's hardships and tension and things like that. I'm, I'm not going to paint the, the picture that it's all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but 
it's really cool that you guys are what you're doing as a business and the decisions that you're making and the way you're going about them because not everyone does it that way and and hardships are part of every business and and breaking glass and and having the shipping go down the way it did but you rolled with it and you pivoted and not once did you say when you were telling the story we thought of giving up and that's so important I think to, to anyone in the audience is that it was just a growing experience for you guys and you embraced it and you tried to work your way through it. But ultimately everything that was out of your control, what was right or wrong or whose responsibility it was, you just said, okay, we're going to go and we're going to better our experience for our customers and go fix the situation, which is ultimately in my opinion, the right thing to do. So, yeah. And I'll say too, it's never been like a, it's this or nothing. It's, it's, it's always been a, it's a, this, and if it's not this, we'll pivot and adjust to what, what it is instead of saying like, we're doing it this way or no way at all. We've always taken the approaches. This is to the best of our knowledge. This is the way we're going to try it first. If that doesn't work, we're going to adjust to make it fit to the way it should be. Yeah. And I really appreciate you guys coming on and I'm actually already looking forward to part three that will hopefully you guys will come back on in like 10 to 12 months and we can continue to tell your story and see how you guys are growing both brands and uh, businesses, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, that Absolutely. would be really fun. We're also excited for the invitation to tour your Milledgeville facility. <laughs> we haven't been to Milledgeville. In... You just want to go hang out in the college town. Yeah, I'd like to go back. <laughs> he had no, absolutely. You guys are, are welcome. And, and um, actually, as soon as we start, you know, moving forward with that and breaking ground and, and getting that whole thing done. That's a whole other journey. You know, I, I said 18 months in the making, this one's been four and a half years, but, um, it's, um, but I'd love to have you guys out for sure. And the last thing I want to ask you guys is if you, you know, based on your experience and things like that, if you guys could each tell the audience anything that you feel that you would want to pass on to someone or if someone came to you for mentoring, I mean, what would some of those key things be? I think, oh, you go ahead. Go well, ahead. I, yeah, because you could probably elaborate on it. My, my biggest thing, obviously, uh, you don't want to jump into something too soon, but I think the biggest thing that um, we always when people do ask us things um, is, is when is the right time to do it? And I think there's a lot of people that um, maybe find reasons not to do it or think they're not ready to, to do it in terms of, um, you know, starting a business or going into business. I think you just have to go all in and do it um, and understand that, that it may not be the way you want it to, or you may have to make adjustments, but um, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of peers that, um, have the dream of doing something, but are not sure when the right time to do it. And for us, we just decided we're going to do it now. And that's what we did and, and made the decision to do that. Yeah. I think just kind of playing off of that done is better than perfect. Don't not start something because you don't feel like your processes are perfect. Pie bar and pie provisions are ginormously different businesses than day one. And when we talk again in 12 months, it's going to be again, ginormously different because I think you're going to continue to grow both personally, but also your business. And once you bring in the influence of employees and customers and, and all of those things are going to shift and change a little bit of what your business looks like and, and understanding and accepting that. And then I always say it's so important to recognize that 
it's important to have people to look to and to have mentors and, and those people can be in your industry or not in your industry, but also accepting and understanding that your journey looks different and your beginning looks different than their beginning and your beginning looks different than their middle and their end. So to not look towards other people and expect that your business should go the exact same way, that it's going to be different. And that's kind of the beauty of being an entrepreneur and and starting your own thing. Yeah. And I, and I really love that you guys both points actually one is, is if you look too much at the competition, you're focusing on them and not your, your finish line as a business, which the finish lines a constantly moving target. Let's be honest. We never really cross right. it, which brings me to my next point, which you guys said is it's progress over perfection. Like if we're trying to perfect something so much, we're not looking on how to progress forward and pivot. Like you guys said, because or a mistake becomes a big mistake because it's we're trying to be perfect as a business versus we're trying to just progress forward. You know, the the bottles incident is a great example because that is hard when something like that happens. And a lot of people would have given up. And, and I said before, it's amazing that it was never just part of your your consciousness just to keep pivoting and moving forward. But it became an opportunity because of it. And you progressed forward to be an even better business for your clients and your consumers um, because of it. So I think that's so awesome. And thank you guys for that. And thank you again for being on the podcast. And just one last time so the audience knows, I mean, how do they find you guys? How do they order your products online? And how do they order pies online as well if they want to get it directly from you guys? So you can find us in person in Woodstock, Georgia. So if you're in Atlanta area, we're about 25 to 30 miles north of Atlanta. Pie Bar is located at 8720 Main Street. That's in downtown Woodstock, which is a really fun community. So you could always come up and grab a slice of pie. And there's a bunch of really great restaurants and bars and and music venues, which is always really fun. Um, You can also find our Pie Provisions products if you want to see them here in person. Um, Or you can find us online. So Pie Bar is on Instagram, pie underscore bar. On Facebook, it's order pie bar. And then Pie Provisions is online at Pie Provisions across all channels. So our website is pieprovisions.com. Our Instagram, our Pinterest, and our Facebook are all Pie Provisions. Um, We try and use both of those resources, not necessarily to make sales. We use those resources to really connect with people and, and to share our pie experiences. Obviously, you can purchase our products through those forums and through those websites, um, but we never want anybody to feel like they're only going to the website to make a purchase. They're going there to engage with us and connect with us and hopefully share a little bit of pie love. And thank you. And you guys are superstars, really. And I'm just, I'm super impressed. And I really love what you guys are doing. And honestly, I've been doing this a long time, but I've learned so much from you guys and just studying your business model and going back and listening to the 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 previous episode. And now even on this episode, I think it's just so refreshing to hear someone else. You know, it's like the weird thing. I have the voice inside my head, but to hear someone else say it and, and do it, it validates sort of what you're feeling and, and what you're doing. And 
and it's part of the reason we do this podcast is to let people know they're not alone and what you guys are doing is really absolutely amazing so one i want to thank you guys not only for being on the podcast but thank you for making the entrepreneurial journey thank you for creating jobs and thank you for for all you guys are doing because i think it's so awesome because you're more than just entrepreneurs out there profiting you're also doing a lot for for business and the environments around you guys and uh, being parts being participants in flavor of georgia i mean all of it it's just a really great thing you guys are doing well thank you we really appreciate it and it was so fun to get to talk with you and um we always like to let everyone know if they have questions to reach out because we've been in the same situation and we still do that we'll reach out to friends of ours who have businesses that are a couple steps ahead to say hey what's the best route to to do this and um we found that 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 camaraderie amongst entrepreneurs is something that's so special. And I think it's pretty difficult to find outside of, outside of the entrepreneurial circle. And and it's super fun and super cool. And thank you for allowing us to, you know, speak with you and then hopefully speaking to others. Yeah. And I'll say too, um, business related or pie related, we get lots of emails on people just asking questions about pie and maybe something they made at home and, didn't quite sit the way it should or didn't bake the way it should, or maybe the whipped cream is running. We love all those kind of questions as well. And that's awesome that you share it. You're not like, oh, well, if you buy my pie, you wouldn't have a problem. No, you actually are giving <laughs> back, you know? And so I think that's amazing. We might embed a product in the, in the response email. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, it's an opportunity to get in front of someone, right? So it's, uh, I would do the same thing, but and Cody, definitely, I will. I would love to have you guys out to Milledgeville, um, and I will, you know, offline. We can talk about that. We can do a little ghost hunting, and I can show you actually what we're doing out there, and and what the Georgia International Food Center is going to look like, and and future plans and things like that. And you know, maybe even eventually we put a pie bar out there or something like that. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, yeah. But, uh, it is you, a neat old town. Yeah, I'm not going to force it, but it's just, I think pie <laughs> would go anywhere. So um, thank you guys for being on the podcast again. And anyone in the audience, thank you guys for listening in. At this point, as we're recording this, uh, we're in over 43 countries and uh, tens of thousands of downloads and growing by thousands of downloads a day, which is is quite incredible. I you know, there's no overnight successes in, in this world as we're, we just talked about on this podcast, but seeing the momentum and the support the entrepreneurs are getting that are on this podcast and the love that's being shown to them. So I appreciate everyone who's listening in and passing it on. Thank you. If you want to be on the podcast, you can reach out to me at justin at the food com or follow us and like us on Facebook. Instagram and Facebook at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you everyone for listening in and have a great day.